When once close brothers venture into the woods to explore an abandoned manor, their bond is mended for a moment, but a sinister entity defiles their lives forever. This is Outdoor Terrors, the podcast where real people share their allegedly true and scary experiences from the great outdoors, and I, Darkness Prevails, read them to you. Today's episode involves a single, heart-wrenching story of two brothers and the most disturbing thing they've ever encountered. Believe the story or don't, that's up to you. If you've ever encountered something terrifying while outdoors, send your story to me at darkstories.org so I can narrate it here. Now, throw a log on the fire, because the night is still young. It Weeps at Twilight From Lord Slasher The process of losing someone close to you is often like losing a piece of yourself. One moment you can spend all the time in the world with them, and the next, you have a million words to say, but no one to say them to. It's as if they take all your joy and warmth with them, leaving you to wander the earth as a cold, barren husk. And it's in this aimless drift that, occasionally, you allow your mind to play with the idea of joining them in death so you might be reunited with the person you held dear. My older brother and I were two of a kind, a pair of despondent souls who found meaning in each other's company. In our childhood, we were inseparable, so much so that we often could never stand to be apart for long. I recall we couldn't even be in separate classes during elementary school, lest we bombard our mother and father with protests. My parents owned a large sum of land in Washington State, which included a swath of forest right behind our house. Every day without fail, my brother and I made a long and arduous journey into the woods and would spend hours playing together. We'd pretend to be knights, building castles out of sticks strewn about the forest floor, laying siege to one another's fortresses. Looking back now, these are my fondest memories of my sibling and I. As we reached our teenage years, we became distant. My brother allocated the majority of his free time to his frequent girlfriends, and I dedicated myself to academics and a job. We began to talk to each other less and less, and the less we spoke, the greater the divide between us became. It was obvious we both understood what was happening, but we chose to ignore the problem, a decision I regret to this very day. During the final weeks of my junior year in high school, the many tests and exams inundating me had swept aside all other aspects of my life, including my relationships. While I did have friends, they, like me, were heavily involved in their studies, and being the terrible time manager I was, I could never spare even a minute from my preparation for finals to socialize. That was until my brother offered me the chance to attend a graduation party being held by an acquaintance of his. Under normal circumstances, it was seniors only. However, he was willing to make an exception for me. Usually, I would have turned him down, but after weighing my options, I agreed. This must have surprised him a bit, as my brother nearly jumped in shock. Wow, bud, finally gonna try your luck with the ladies, he said, his voice still wavering with astonishment. 
I briefly guffawed at his comment before replying. No, I'll just keep you out of trouble. I'll leave the swooning to you. Be sure to clear your evening, he ordered, now grinning ear to ear, before promptly abandoning me to my solitude. As unappealing as the idea of spending my Saturday night around a group of drunken teenagers was, I refused to pass up the chance to impress my brother and rekindle the blood bond that had fizzled out so long ago. The remainder of the week practically flew by, and I burned most of my spare time chipping away at any homework I still had. As I woke up Saturday morning, I was greeted with my brother's goofy smile. I had slept past my alarm, and far be it from my brother not to take the opportunity to give me a rude awakening. Wakey wakey, sleepyhead. It's eleven. I want to make sure my favorite little bro is ready for the night out, he said, patting my head. My glazed over eyes met his, and I could only mutter a brief retort. I hate you, man, so much. He chuckled and paraded out of my room, utterly proud of his achievement. The scent of bacon and eggs accosted my nose as I got dressed and headed down to the kitchen to eat. My mother was stationed by the stove and greeted me as I walked by. I returned the courtesy before taking my seat at the kitchen table. When she finished cooking, my mother switched off the stove and set down the plates. What's the occasion? I asked. She smiled. It's been a while since you two have spent some time together. Thought I'd commemorate the occasion. I looked down at my plate and guilt. Well, Mom, things get... Well, they get busy, you know. I can't balance it all. School, work, and all that. The important thing is, she said, that you're making an effort now. As the morning turned to afternoon, and afternoon to evening, I began to have second thoughts about attending the party. I was convinced my brother would simply forget about me once we arrived, leaving his dead-weight little brother in a sea of inebriated young adults. But I pushed the thoughts to the side, choosing to have faith in him. I dressed in a greaser-esque fashion, throwing on denim jeans, a leather jacket, and a muscle tee underneath. I snatched up my car keys and ventured to collect my brother. When he saw me, he looked a bit proud, I think. My little dweeb of a brother, all grown up now. I'm telling you, dude, if you just give it a shot, the ladies will be chasing you. I smirked, ushering him out the door. No time for complimenting me. Even if I am the superior sibling, we gotta get going. It was an unusually chilling May night. As we exited the house, the frigid air slammed into us like a freight train. I opened up the garage, and we shuffled into my old 79 Camaro. Like I said, I spent my entire high school career working on the side, and I'm proud of what I was able to save up for. The trip to the residence was surprisingly lengthy, taking us down multiple back roads, and about two-thirds of the way there, the pavement turned to dirt. We pulled into our destination at around 7pm. Amazingly, we were the first to arrive. My brother's friend, Howard, welcomed us inside, offering us food and drinks. It was 1985 and the laws against teenage alcoholism were not as harshly enforced those days, at least not where I lived. Within the hour, a sizable crowd had accumulated in Howard's yard. My brother and I assisted him in setting up the grill. Someone had even brought a boombox to the party and was blasting the song Metal Health by Quiet Riot 
at maximum volume. As the party picked up pace, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I was enjoying myself. I had entirely expected the experience to be a chore, but it was quite the opposite. I played a couple games of blackjack with some of the attendees and even served as a referee for a drinking contest involving my brother, which he admittedly lost. By 12, the party had begun to die out, with many guests starting to take their leave. I had abstained from alcohol for the duration of the party. In contrast, my brother overindulged and was having trouble speaking coherently. As the last of the attendees disappeared down the dark road leading away from Howard's abode, I started to help Howard clean up the mess left in the party's wake. In the meantime, my brother lay splayed out on a sofa, clutching his head. Once we deemed the place immaculate, I helped my brother to his feet, and we prepared to head out. But Howard stopped me. You know, just because the party itself is over doesn't mean the fun has to be. There's this uh, deserted family estate just down the road from here. A lot of people say it's haunted. Want to go check it out? I hesitated. Given my brother's intoxication, it likely would not be a great idea to venture out into the woods to some decrepit old mansion. Just as I was ready to reply, I was cut off by said brother, who quickly took Howard up on his offer. Sure, man, even if it's haunted, it wouldn't stop me from going. He slurred. I glared at him, incredulity written across his face. It's late as it is, and we have a curfew. Ma's gonna kill us if we go, I vehemently objected. My brother turned to me, raising his eyebrow. I've already had a couple drinks, not like I can do much worse. I sighed, defeated. I knew I couldn't change his mind, but I also couldn't allow my brother and Howard to go alone. I gave in, and so the three of us charged forth into the icy night again, piling into my car. I had the unfortunate disposition of being transportation, appointed by Howard after he explained that his vehicle's transmission had failed recently. Howard directed me to the supposedly haunted property as we sped down winding, sparsely populated, wooded back roads. The closer we got to our destination, the more I noticed the streetlights and scarce forestry began to morph into dense, undisturbed woods. Eventually, we halted in front of an enormous pair of rusted iron gates decorated with vegetation. From what I could tell, there had at one point been a pair of initials welded into the gates, but they had since been removed. We carefully exited the vehicle, perhaps intimidated by the looming barriers. Howard glanced at me and my brother, a hint of mischief in his expression. You ready to see some ghosts, guys? I shrugged, unconvinced. Throughout my life at that point, I had never been very religious or spiritual. I plainly reasoned that you just ceased to exist when you died, and I didn't have any intention of changing my mind. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. 
June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now that we stood in the presence of this manor, my brother seemed to have sobered up a bit. His stance shifted from relaxed to uneasy. Uh, yeah, I think so, he replied shakily. Howard shoved open the gates, which emitted an audible creaking sound that made my skin crawl. He proceeded to gesture for us to take the lead. How chivalrous of you to make us monster bait, I snarkily stated, trudging my way through the overgrown grass, my brother following suit. The task of plowing through the excessive undergrowth guarding the estate, considering how many thorn bushes had inconveniently decided to plant themselves in our path, was rather difficult. In due time, the dark shape of the house began to materialize in front of us. For all intents and purposes, the place looked very similar to its description. Much of the siding and roofing had partially or entirely been rotted away, exposing some of the framework and where windows had once been, there were now only gaping holes. There appeared to be a wooden deck connected to the entrance of the house, which lay astoundingly intact. We worked our way to it, and with each step I took, a primal sense of dread slowly crept up deep within me, urging me to turn back, lest I risk seeing something humans were never intended to lay eyes upon. I wish I had listened. As we neared the deck, Howard pushed past us. He strided over to the door and tried the knob, but it refused to budge. Dang it, hang on, I'm going to kick this thing in, he exclaimed dramatically. He began to vigorously slam his foot on the door, and after three or four tries, it gave way, crashing into the shadowy interior of the house. I rolled my eyes, angered by his lack of discretion, but I dared not oppose him at the moment. Now certainly wasn't the time to argue. Howard was the first to saunter on inside, accompanied by my brother, who was unusually quiet. I tread carefully, trying to muffle the sounds of my footsteps while I pursued them. As the pitch black enveloped me, I reached for my pocket 
and produced my handheld flashlight. When I switched it on, my jaw dropped. The entire interior of the house was spotless. In here, there were no signs of decay. Not a single speck of dust coated it. It was like the family never left. What the... I stuttered, before looking to my accomplices, seeing that they had similar reactions. My brother at last spoke up. Okay, so this place is missing windows, but somehow the furniture and floors are untouched? Am I dreaming? Howard and I must have been too stunned to reply. Both of us remained speechless. As a requited hush fell over the three of us, we began to become aware of a distinct noise emanating from the second story. The sound of intense sobbing. My eyes were the size of baseballs. I glanced at Howard and my brother, panic visible in their faces. Howard spoke in a whisper. We've got to check it out. Someone could be hurt in here. My eyes grew even wider. Are you kidding? Who would be crying like that at the dead of night in the middle of nowhere? Howard didn't respond. Instead, he began edging toward the staircase leading up to the second floor. Left with no other option, and being the self-proclaimed alpha males that we were, my brother and I, of course, stumbled after him. As we trampled up the stairs, my sense of trepidation grew ever stronger until it was drowning out all logical thought in my mind. We reached the top of the staircase and were presented with an extensive hallway on both sides. We promptly changed our course, while the distressing noise emanated from an unseen room to the right. Howard led the way. My increasing terror climaxed when I realized the noise was coming from the very end of the hallway. If it became necessary to run, our escape would be significantly prolonged. I shone my light down the hall to get a visual on the source, finding that the door to the room was shut. Seeing this as an opportunity, I shook Howard's shoulder in a final effort to convince him this wasn't a good idea. He once again soundly ignored me. Without wasting a word, Howard advanced toward the door as the crying became deafening. In one swift motion, he twisted the knob with a click that made my heart stop. The door swung open, and all at once the sobbing ceased. The only thing I heard was a faint ringing in my ears. My hands violently trembled as I raised my light to the now gaping doorway. What I saw will forever be burned into my memory, my very being. Inside the room, in a fetal position, there was a figure. It was slender, its colorless flesh lightly stretched across heavy bones. The proportions of this person were not human-like. No, this creature possessed arms extending well over half the length of its body, ending in sharp talons resembling overgrown fingernails. Long, greasy black hair was draped across its shoulders and back, lying in a mound around its unmoving form. Despite this, its spine was still visible, protruding from its backside like a disgusting series of cancerous lumps. 
My mind continuously tried and failed to process what my eyes were relaying to it. This must have been a nightmare, some malevolent fantasy generated by my subconscious. My body refused to move. I was frozen in place. Howard backed away from the door slowly, cautiously, but he made one fatal mistake. The pressure placed on the floorboard by his backpedaling released a nearly imperceptible sound, a creak. It was just loud enough. The creature perked up, its chest rising and falling rapidly. It began to gasp and seize. It was like watching a person trapped in a vacuum, left with no other choice but to painfully suffocate. It seemed to be writhing for a long time. All the while, me and my brother and Howard were helplessly forced to watch. At last, it ceased its convulsions as a new noise erupted from its unseen mouth. Laughter. It sounded like the demented, ragged giggling of a sickly woman, as if its lungs were filled to the brim with tar. And then, it moved. Its bones snapped and cracked as it rotated its neck to reveal its horrifying face. Even now, nearly 40 years later, I can still see it. The radiance of my flashlight reflected in its eyes, which were beady black marbles, soulless and piercing. It lacked a nose, possessing only slits that likely served as its nostrils, and its mouth rather than a normal human maw. The creature's jaw was exposed by rotting flesh as it hung agape. It looked dislocated. Its mouth stretched ear to ear across its face, which was lined with rows of small needle-like teeth, dripping with what I can only assume was blood. This thing began to rise from its position on the floor to a towering height. I was by no means a small guy. I was six foot two and extremely athletic for my age but the creature was even taller. As it stood, I began to realize the situation we were in. My brother was the first to act, shaking me out of my trance and shoving me down the hallway. He yelled out something, but the adrenaline coursing through my veins drowned out much of the sound I heard. I reached the end of the hall in record time. I dove down the flight of stairs, I went tumbling down, crashing onto the wooden tiles below. Instantly, I picked myself up and resumed sprinting to the doorway. I glanced behind me then to ensure that my brother and Howard were following me. Howard reached the doorway mere seconds after me and my brother was at the foot of the stairs. He shouted for me to go and run. I required no further instruction. I barreled into the foliage completely unconcerned by the countless thorn bushes we had encountered earlier. Before long, the imposing iron gates appeared in my line of sight, and I shimmied through the tight opening. Howard was already plunging into the back seat of my car as I made a mad dash to the vehicle. I hurtled into the driver's side and shoved the key into the ignition. The car roared to life just as my brother slipped through the gates. He tore open the passenger side door and threw himself in, panting strenuously. I yanked the stick into reverse so hard it was liable to snap. As we pulled out, my headlights illuminated the thing. It sat perched atop the iron gates, 
its cavernous mouth still gleaming with crimson liquid. It made no attempt to pursue us further as we turned back onto the main road. I no doubt broke several traffic laws racing down those empty country roads that night. In our rigid silence, our only comfort was the soft hum of the engine. None of us was willing to speak up. But then again, none of us knew quite what to say. Loathing the notion of discussing what we'd all just witnessed, I switched on the radio, which began to play the song Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Eventually, the music appeared to relieve the unspoken tension between us. When we returned to Howard's home, he speedily and unceremoniously departed, vanishing into his house. Really, though, I only had harsh words to say to him. After all, he had been the one who insisted on examining the crying, and it was his idea to investigate the manor in the first place. Once my brother and I were left alone in the car, my brother ultimately shattered the hush that had befallen us. I... I, I think it's best we just pretend this never happened, he suggested, his voice quivering. Taking a moment to mull over the night's events, I solemnly agreed. Probably some druggy or something, I replied, well aware that I was lying to him and myself. There are some things better left unsaid. Back at home, we were, of course, firmly reprimanded, a punishment well-deserved. But following that night, everything seemed to return to normal. My brother concluded a chapter of his life, graduating and obtaining his diploma. He then laid his sights on college. I completed my junior year with honors and started to consider my future career. However, as summer rolled around, I noticed a change in my brother. It began with him telling me about an ache he had throughout his body, as well as muscle spasms and nausea. My family initially assumed he had been suffering from occasional migraines, but his health only continued to decline. His activity decreased, and he gradually stopped going outside, or even getting out of bed. We were forced to admit him to a hospital in July, where, off to the side, the nurses admitted to us that when he was awake, he would tell them about a tall woman constantly tormenting him in his nightmares. The doctors could not give us a diagnosis for his condition. We were told that not much could be done for him, as physically, he was entirely healthy. During this time, I spent every moment I could at his side. He would pull through. He must pull through, I told myself. But fate intended differently. My brother's ailment became so critical, he was rarely ever aware or lucid. Nonetheless, in his final days, I was there, clasping his hand, tears streaming down my cheeks. I could do nothing but watch as the very life was strangled out of him, but I remained, still grasping his palm, long after his heart stopped. My family was devastated at his loss. I seldom left my room for days, maybe even weeks. When I returned to school, he never vacated my mind. 
How could I even begin to think about academics when he was gone? But something he had said resonated with me. The woman in his dreams. It was the creature we saw. It had to be. It had killed my brother. After I turned 18, on a hauntingly similar October morning, I convinced my father to allow me to borrow a hunting rifle of his, falsely telling him I was going hunting with friends. More determined than I'd ever been, I sprung into my vehicle and set off once more for the old abandoned family estate out in the woods. After a long drive, I had long last encroached on the property, sighting the familiar iron gates. I lingered in the car for a time, motionless, reflecting on how significantly this vile place had impacted my life. I loaded the rifle, and I stepped out of the vehicle. I thrust those gates open, and double-handing the rifle began my approach. Once I was a small distance away from the house, I lifted the rifle's muzzle to the sky, and I fired three rounds into the air in quick succession. I received no response. Furious, I called out. Still nothing. Fueled by rage, I stormed into the house. If I could not kill this creature, then I at least could reunite myself with my brother. As I entered, the interior was totally demolished. All the previously robust furniture and tiling now looked just as whittled and broken as the exterior. I recoiled in bewilderment, but I could not afford to pay it more mind than that. I scoured the entire structure, every room, every closet, every crevice. No space was left unchecked. But I found no creature. No tall woman. I exited the deteriorating home, defeated. Above, clouds had started to conceal the sun, and a light rain began to fall. As the raindrops battered me, I could no longer contain myself. Tears welled up in my eyes, and I collapsed to my knees. I wanted to tell my brother I was sorry that I had failed to make things right. But there I rested in a field of silence. Thanks for stopping by our little campsite here at Outdoor Terrors. To hear your story on the show, send it to us at darkstories.org. For more scary stories from me, catch me on my other podcasts, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or go to eeriecast.com for those and even more terrifying podcasts. Follow me on X or Twitter at Dark Prevails. And if you don't mind, leave a rating for Outdoor Terrors on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Till next time, I'll see you soon when the campfire blazes once again.